Ladies and pussy slayers, Andy here, day 90 in the witness shoe. No guest, no co-host, my girlfriend left me, it's just me and you boys. Let's get it done. Actually, that's not true, my girlfriend's in the other room, but whatever. So, today we are reading out some questions from good old Ed. Ed is a patron of mine, and he's also on my forums. And he's just generally a bit of a fucking legend. And the only reason I'm saying all this is because I know he'll listen to this. So he asked a bunch of questions in this post on my forums. I'm going to read the questions out verbatim and then give my thoughts as we go along. And I thought afterwards in a separate podcast, I'll get Imogen, my girlfriend, to answer some of these questions. Because I think some of these are going to be very interesting answers They're going to be interesting coming from me, but they're also going to be interesting coming from a female's perspective because a lot of these questions are about getting laid. And I think we all know that girls don't really care as much about getting laid. If they want to get laid, they just have to go outside and stand on the street corner and wave their hands in the air and say, help, help me, somebody, please, I need some dick. And there'll be some guy that comes over and donates a little bit of dick. I'm pretty sure you can get dick if you're a female from Uber Eats. You could probably just go on Tinder and order some dick. Or go on Uber Eats and say, hey, Mr. Delivery Driver, I'm not going to pay you any money, but I need some dick. Can you deliver it? I mean, I'd fucking donate some dick. So any women listening to this, if you want me to donate your dick and you live in my city, yeah, hit me up. I'll happily do that for you. So I'll read out what he wrote, what Ed wrote. I've been talking with Kill Your Inner Loser, that's me, about what kind of interviews I'd like to see on his Inner Winner show. That's this show. Oh, my God. I'd like to hear from advanced guys who've mostly figured it out and achieved an elite level sex life. I always find it funny when someone says that my sex life is elite level or an elite sex, because logically I know that's true. If I'm rational, I know that's true. Of course that's fucking true. I've had sex with like 150 girls at this point, like 17 different girls in threesomes, or it might even be 18 at this point. But it still sounds funny to hear that statement because I think it becomes very normalized. This happens with any girls. Like, go talk to a millionaire and say, like, do you know that you're an elite level guy? He's like, no, I'm too busy trying to make, like, my next million. I'm too busy hustling. I'm too busy with life. This shit gets quickly normalized. And I think that's going to be an answer to a couple of his his future questions, questions as we keep reading. This shit becomes very normalized. And you don't look at yourself in terms of, like, oh, I got an elite sex life. You're just like, no, I'm just, like, living my life. I'm just having sex when I want to, like, you know. You don't really sit down and think about it. You don't take the time to think about it. Maybe that's just me. I am someone who doesn't take enough time to give myself credit for my achievements. I'm always thinking about like the next goal that I'm going to work on rather than looking back and saying, oh, wow, I did a good job. Now, every now and then I do look back. Once a week, I do a check-in with Imogen. I've talked about this on previous episodes and we cover what we did in that week. At the end of every year on the 1st of January, or technically on New Year's Eve, on the first, I like to stay up all night and take some time to look back at the year and give myself credit for things I've achieved. But generally speaking, this shit becomes a lot more normalized. So you don't sort of look at yourself in terms of, oh, I've got an elite sex life. Like you never think like that. Again, maybe that's just me. I'm sure other guys who've gotten laid a lot might have a different perspective on this. And I'd be interested to hear those. So if you've gotten laid a lot and you're listening to this, leave a comment, send me an email. Go to the show notes. That'll be at theinnerwinnershow.com forward slash 90. And you can just leave a comment down the bottom of that or send me an email or whatever. I am genuinely interested. Any other guys who've gotten laid a lot, is your perspective different? Do you look at yourself as being elite or is it just kind of normalized and you're looking towards the next goal that you want to achieve? So Ed's first question is a big one. Did you ever feel like giving up? Yeah, buddy. Like 
I think you already know this because you and I have talked a lot, but to anyone else listening, yeah, there's like 5 million moments where I felt like giving up. 5 million times I wanted to quit. 5 million times I felt like I can't do this. I had so many breakdowns and I was never sure that I would ever get through and come out the other side. Technically, when I first started this self-improvement getting laid adventure, if we call it that, I really didn't think that I would ever achieve much. When I first signed up for the Approach Anxiety Program, and I'll leave a link in the show notes below to that, I honestly didn't even think I would make it through the program. I kind of just started because I was at a point of complete frustration where I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't just live my life this way. I have to at least like do something to shake the boat, but I really didn't think I could get through the program. I certainly didn't think I would get to a point where I would get laid at all. I thought for the rest of my life, I'm just going to have sex with, no offense, but unattractive chubby girls. I certainly didn't think that I would ever be able to call myself a player. Not that I call myself that now, but you get, you get the sentiments that I'm saying. I never, ever, ever thought that I would actually make it. Like that wasn't really even my intention. My intention was just I'm not doing anything else. I may as well do this and see what happens. It would be cool if some women were nice to me. I guess to some degree, I wanted some sort of relationship. Like I just wanted something more than nothing. And to give you a little, a few more examples of this, I'll quote from my log that I kept while I was working on all this stuff. There was a point where I was getting laid a little bit. This is after I'd finished the approach anxiety program. I'd gone out and started talking to girls probably like a year into my journey, roughly. And here's a quote. I thought about it a lot this morning and I still don't feel like I deserve to hit on hot chicks. Like I don't have the right. Like who is this ugly guy? Who does he think he is? He shouldn't be hitting on chicks out of his league. But then again, two months ago, I didn't even think I deserved to bang ugly or average chicks. Here's another quote. I still feel like it was just a fluke, like it was just luck. I still don't believe that I deserve hot chicks yet. I really don't. Last night was scary because I honestly felt like she was too hot and I was scared to even kiss her. I have this feeling like I won't see her again. She'll regret the sex we had or something and not talk to me again. I honestly think it would hurt my confidence if I didn't see her again. I'd really take the rejection personally. And here's another quote. Do I deserve to cold approach? I don't know. So you're sensing a theme here. I've talked about this in many articles, including one called I am always full of doubt. I'll leave a link in the show notes below to that article. Almost everything I've ever achieved, particularly getting laid, I never thought I deserved it. I never thought I would make it. I had all these insecurities. I thought this isn't me. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve to be here. That's kind of been a running theme. I'll give some more examples. I had plenty of breakdowns where I would I spent a lot of time on the Good Looking Loser forums. Goodlookingloser.com, great website. Taught me almost everything I know. I spent so much time on there looking around at all the other guys, the guys who were getting laid, the guys who dressed better than me, who looked better than me, who had more muscle, who seemed cooler, who went to parties, all that kind of stuff. Even the owner of the website, Chris, he's a big buff guy with fucking massive muscles and tattoos and he's cool and he's in the Los Angeles party scene and everyone thinks he's amazing. I looked up to him and I just felt like a fucking fraud being there. I felt like I shouldn't be on this website. Why the fuck am I here? These guys are all players. This isn't me. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't be here. I have like fuck all friends, almost no friends. 
I can't get laid. And even when I started getting laid, I still felt like a fraud and people would congratulate me and they'd be like, awesome, man, this is so cool that you got laid. Like, great job. Keep pushing. And I was like, man, I don't deserve this. These people who are like leagues above me are giving me encouragement and they shouldn't be wasting their time on someone like me. I don't deserve this. (sighs) I don't think I was ever going to quit. That's another question that Ed asked lower down on the page. I'll answer that properly in a minute. I don't think I was ever going to quit, but I guess I secretly hoped that they would never figure out that I was a fraud. So it's like, I felt like I was hanging on by a thread. Like I was a member of this club that I didn't deserve to be in. And my biggest fear was that everyone would find out that I was an imposter, literally the definition of imposter syndrome. But I felt that so acutely every single day that I was there. I think in some ways it was a good thing because it pushed me. It was definitely a bad thing in many ways, but it was a good thing in many ways too, because it pushed me to do crazy shit. Cause I felt like I had all these expectations to live up to. I felt like all these people were 50 times cooler than me and got laid better than me and looked better than me and was okay. I won't say I thought they were smarter than me, but I definitely thought they were more socially adept than I was. And so I had to really push myself. So in the approach anxiety program, there are a few days where I did like five days worth of drills in one day, which is talking to like 150 girls in like a six hour period. And I was like almost manic while doing that. I don't know how to explain other than to say I was like manic with energy because I I felt like if I don't do this shit, everyone's going to kick me out. Like they're a way cooler, way better than me. I don't deserve to be here. I have to do crazy shit. Otherwise they'll figure out that I'm a fraud. And maybe if I can do crazy shit, I'll almost be on their level. And maybe they'll be like, wow, this guy's a loser, but he can do crazy shit. He can talk to a bunch of girls in a day. That's cool. We'll, We'll let him stay. That even carried on as in this feeling of being an imposter, of not feeling like I deserve to be there. That carried on until probably like my second or third threesome. And I know to anyone listening, that's going to sound fucking insane. But here's a quote I wrote in my log after I had my first threesome. I wrote, hell, sorry, I wrote, I don't have much of a sense of entitlement. I know it doesn't seem like it from my logs, but I still don't believe I deserve to get laid. But I feel like this threesome I just had was a huge step to becoming a guy who gets laid. So yeah, even after I literally had a threesome with a girl and her best friend, by the way, and her best friend was a fucking virgin. And I literally said to it, it, so it was Imogen. It was my girlfriend. And I said to Imogen, this was like the second time that we'd met each other. I said to her like, yo, do you have any girls that want to fool around with you? Cause I was like trying to have a threesome and she's like, well, maybe my best friend, maybe, but she's a virgin. So I'm not sure. And then like, we ended up having a fucking threesome. We fucked for like eight hours. I I shit you not. I had to take fucking Cialis pills to keep my dick hard. We had sex like all night until like five in the morning. One, both of them went to sleep at separate points and I would just fuck the other one quietly. And then like my dick didn't work for like five days afterwards. It was chafed and red and like literally like chafing. The skin was coming off because I fucked so much. (laughs) And after all of that, I still felt like I didn't deserve to get laid. Like I was still somewhat of a fraud. I had sex in public with some woman at her office workplace. I met her at her office and we snuck into the toilets. I had never met her before. Like we literally just met up there in the toilets and fucked in the toilets. It was incredibly hot. I didn't feel like a player. I felt like a fraud. So yeah, to circle back to the original question, did you ever feel like giving up? 
Yes, but I don't think I ever was going to give up. I don't really know how to explain that better, but it's like I didn't have any other choice. And I felt like I would have spent the rest of my life doing this. I didn't ever think I'd be successful. So I guess in the back of my mind, I thought I'm going to spend the rest of my life working on this stuff. I'm never going to be successful, but I'm not going to quit. Like I didn't, I didn't want to get kicked out of the self-improvement or getting laid community. I wanted to just kind of sit in there and chill in there, even though I was deeply insecure and it was painful being there because I felt like a fraud. It was, it made me very neurotic, very neurotic. Like I'd constantly worry that people would figure out that I was a fucking fraud and an imposter and a loser, but I still didn't have a choice. I never would have quit. I couldn't go back to the old life I had because I was in abusive relationships for like fucking nine years. I was depressed. I had no friends. I was obese. I couldn't go back to that life. I would have rather died and I don't particularly want to die. So I had to kind of stay there in that community. So even though I felt like giving up probably every week, once a week on average, maybe more, um, I never was going to quit because I didn't have a choice. I couldn't go back to the old me. The next question Ed asks is what was your lowest point? I don't know if I can pick just one. There's like 50 of them. Jesus Christ. Um, maybe all the times I would be walking back and forwards, like pacing back and forwards in my apartment. And I had all the lights off. It was at night. I did this many times. I'd be there in the dark, just pacing back and forwards in my living room, crying, almost screaming. Like my fists were in, my hands were in fists bunched up into fists. I was listening to like angry or emotional or sad music loud in my headphones, like blasting the music. Tears would be like streaming down my face and I would be like screaming, but I didn't want to scare the neighbors. So I was like sobbing and screaming silently. I don't know if you've ever screamed silently, but it's like 50 times more painful on an emotional level than screaming loudly. Screaming loudly is a release. It's like anger, it's frustration, it's violence, almost you're getting it out. Screaming silently is like pain. It's like a wounded animal. It's like you can't even make a noise. You don't feel like you deserve to make a noise because you'll upset the neighbors. And all you can do is let out this silent scream while the tears fucking run down your face. I did that probably like, I don't know, like 20 times. I did that a lot of times. Points where I was, those were the points where I felt like giving up most, more than any other time. Because I would be pacing back and forth saying, why, why, this isn't fair. Like, why don't I get the life I want? Why do I have to work so hard? How come other guys just get it easy? How come some guys can just walk up to girls and get laid without any effort? How come some guys didn't go through nine years of a, a fucking abusive relationships and emotional hell? Why did I have to suffer through that? Why am I here? And so those were my lowest points. And there were some times where I would cry for like two hours and then just finally just go to bed. And it always felt better in the morning. I will say that if you're ever really depressed, okay, not depressed because depression is a whole different animal. But if you're ever having a really terrible day or you're feeling really down on yourself, go to bed. Like, honestly, that's the best solution. Take some fucking sleeping pills if you have to. Just go to bed and you will always feel better in the morning. You won't feel perfect in the morning, but you will feel 50% better. And that makes a big difference. So lowest points, probably those. Now, what brought those on? It was kind of usually a combination of things. It wasn't like sometimes it was that a bunch of girls would reject me and then I would go home and just be frustrated. Most of the time it would be like, 
slow building. It was building up over weeks and weeks. It's it's the little things that get you. You know what I mean? Like someone annoys you in public. A girl rejects you. You try and get laid and she flakes on you. You know, one of your mates says something shitty to you. Like this shit builds up and it would build up over weeks and weeks. And then eventually, you know, you have that moment where you break. Like there's one more thing added on top and you break and then you can't handle it. Like maybe the people I worked for at that point in time, they could be dicks and they would say something shitty or they'd say something in a really fucking bad way. And that would just be the thing that would take me over the edge. And then that night I would just fucking cry my eyes out. So the next question that Ed asks is, what were your biggest fears in the beginning? Uh, I think I pretty much covered that with the previous answer. My biggest fear was that I would get found out as a fraud. Um, I guess I also had a fear of rejection, that, especially early on before I'd ever really talked to girls because I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know if they'd freak out if I told them they were cute because I'd never done something like that before. Um, I didn't know if the police would get cold on me. I thought that for a while. I thought maybe a feminist would attack me, which funnily enough, as you get more into this shit, you figure out that like feminists are really rare. Like, And most of them don't have the confidence to ever do anything. So you don't have to worry about feminists. You don't have to worry about the police or any of that shit. But I was like genuinely stressed about that shit. Oh, I was really terrified about getting a girl pregnant. There we go. Let's go into that. That wasn't at the beginning. That was more when I started getting laid. That was one of my biggest fears. What if I get a girl pregnant and... I ended up getting a vasectomy, which is something I've wanted since probably like 16 years old. I've always known I don't want kids. I've just, it's never been something that's interested me in any way. So I had a pregnancy scare with a girl after I had already gotten a vasectomy, but the vasectomy can take like three, you have to get tested three months after you get your vasectomy to make sure that it like, it hasn't, they call it a spontaneous remission or something. I can't, spontaneous reversal, something like that. So it was in that period. So I'd gotten the vasectomy, but I hadn't gotten the follow-up test to make sure that, you know, my sperm wasn't fucking coming out of my dick. And this girl hit me with a fucking pregnancy scare, literally for attention, because I used to tolerate a lot of drama and shit back then. And I used to get with girls who would do shit like this because it was what I thought I deserved. I was still coming off the back of those two abusive relationships. So I put up with a lot of shit that a lot of guys wouldn't put up with. Anyway, she pulled this pregnancy scare and that was like the, I felt the walls closing in on me. I was having a fucking panic attack where I was close to having a panic, like everything. It was horrible. It was the worst thing ever. So that was always my biggest fear was like getting a girl pregnant. And I used to let that fear dominate me. Like I would never come in a girl it, like with a condom. I would never do that. Cause I was like, what if it leaks out of the condom while I'm inside her? I would never come anywhere near her belly or her tits. Cause I was like, what if she accidentally wipes it off her tits and, you know, plays with her pussy. I would only ever come like in their mouth and make sure they swallowed it. And if they spat it out, I would, which not many girls spit it out to be fair. If you tell them to swallow, I would get tissues and like wipe it up immediately. There were even some times where I would like pull out and jerk off in the condom and then put the condom in the bin. So I was like fucking paranoid. That's not healthy, by the way. Don't be that paranoid about pregnancy. But yeah, that was probably my biggest fear along with feeling like I was going to get found out as an imposter or a fraud, fearful of bad reactions from girls. Um, I wasn't really fearful of not making it. Cause like I said, I really didn't think I was going to make it. Like I never thought that I would get to a point of any sort of elite sex life. So that wasn't even a fear. 
that was like in the back of my head. It was already predetermined. I was already, I had already decided, not decided, but I was already convinced that I wouldn't make it. So it wasn't even a fear. It's like, no, I'm not, why would I ever make it? I can't have a big sex life. That's not possible. What the fuck? That's not me. So it wasn't even a fear. The next question that Ed asks is, can you give us a play-by-play of what a really good successful week looks like or looks like? I'll tell you what, actually, I'm going to answer this question in a separate podcast. I want this to be its own podcast because I think this is a really good topic. He's basically saying, walk me through a day or a week in the life of you and what you get up to and all that shit. I think I would like to do that as a separate because I think that could be quite in-depth. I could probably do two podcasts about that. Um, So we'll leave that question to the end. The next set of questions that he asks are all about what were your biggest challenges? So he says, what were, was there any particular aspect of the whole process that was hardest for you? Examples are getting in shape, taking Tinder photos, overcoming approach anxiety, logistics, procedures for dates. I'd say the whole fucking thing was pretty fucking hard for me. (laughs) Um, If you want me to pick one in particular, uh, Gaining muscle was very hard for me because I had no idea what the fuck I was doing and I was terrified of the gym. Um, Taking Tinder photos was pretty easy. Uh, I won't say it was easy. I knew how to operate a camera because I'm a professional photographer. I know what I'm doing, but I looked shit in all the photos because I hadn't gone to the gym. I was still kind of chubby. So it was hard. It was hard in that way. It was hard to get good photos. I knew that the photos should be looking good. Quality wise, they looked amazing. I could Photoshop the shit out of them and make them shine. But the product that I was trying to make shine, in other words, myself, wasn't that great a product. So there's only so much Photoshopping you can do if you're fat. You also don't want to go crazy far with Photoshopping because then you're literally being a catfish. And I was insecure about that too. I'd say overcoming my approach anxiety was hard at the start. But once I got going, it became really easy because I'm someone that's very uh, humorous as in, I like to make jokes. I like to be funny. I like to be silly. I like people to laugh at me. Um, I don't necessarily mean at me, but at the things I'm doing, I don't mind if people laugh at me. I'm, I'm happy to be the butt of jokes a lot. As long as a joke gets made, I'm someone that puts humor first above a lot of things and I'm willing to be laughed at. And a lot of the approach anxiety program was you embarrassing yourself and people laughing at you and people thinking you're a psychopath and people thinking you're weird as fuck or you must be on drugs or something. I really enjoyed that aspect because I would make a lot of, I made a lot of people smile through this approach anxiety program. And that was really nice. It was really hard to start because that was fucking terrifying. But once I got going, it was like I had momentum and I was never going to stop. I think I finished the whole program in about two months, which is pretty decently quick. Now, the hard part was when I got to the point where I wasn't allowed to be silly anymore. So around the like day 40, roughly around that mark, you have to start being real with girls as in you have to walk up and you have to give them a genuine compliment and you have to be very genuine about it. And you have to say, I think you're cute or I wanted to say that you're cute. And I had a breakdown at this point. I I couldn't do it for like a week. I went out every day. I tried. I failed like tens of thousands of times. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't say the words. I couldn't be real. It brought up all these insecurities. I was okay with being an idiot. I was okay with being a clown. I was okay with being silly. I was okay with being, you know, putting on this fake persona or letting out my inner child and just being silly and and saying stupid things to girls to make them laugh. But as soon as I had to walk up to them and be vulnerable and honest and real and raw and tell them I thought they were cute 
there's no way that you can say, I think you're cute and pass it off as a joke. Like it's a very genuine fucking real statement coming from the heart. And that was really hard for me. Eventually I pushed through that and I was able to do it. And that was probably my biggest fucking moment. The first girl that I ever walked up to and said like, Hey, you're cute. That was so goddamn hard for me. And the next like 50 girls I had to say, you're cute too. That was just as hard. That was so, every single one of them was a grind. I'm so glad I pushed through that. And when I did, it was like, oh, fucking finally. Um, The next part that was hard was actually talking to girls and hitting on them properly. So once I finished the approach anxiety program, I took five months off where I didn't hit on any girls. Mostly that was out of fear. I've talked about that a lot in my log on my website. And I had to take LSD in order to hit on my first girl. Like I wasted those five months and I got to a point where I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I wasting these five months? So I took some LSD like intentionally to handle this problem. And I just spent like 12 hours while tripping. Would have been more than that, actually. It would have been like 16 hours or so. Just not like doing nothing but diving head first into this concept of like, why am I not talking to girls? Why do I not deserve to do this? What's wrong with me? What's holding me back? What am I scared of? Why can't I go and tell a girl that she's cute and ask for her phone number? I could tell girls they were cute in this approach anxiety program. Why can't I do it for real now and actually try and get laid? Do I actually, am I an imposter? Is everyone going to know that I'm an imposter? Like, I think I'm going to get kicked out of this forum because I haven't done anything in five months. Fuck, I'm a loser. Like all this shit came up. I had written down on a piece of paper, like all of these questions and more. And I asked myself these questions while I was tripping on LSD, which is a great, I'm not advocating it. You need to do your own research and all that shit. I'm not going to endorse it. But for me personally, LSD was a great way to like bust through these like hurdles, these plateaus, these walls, these insecurities and fears, because I would just trip and then ask myself these questions and work through them. And I would specifically say, you know, the whole point of this trip is to fix this. Like I would go into it knowing that I was going to fix it. And towards the end of that trip, it would have been at like three in the morning or something. I sent one of my mates a text and I don't know if I woke him up, but he replied, God bless him. I love this dude. And I said, mate, by the end of tomorrow, as in like by midnight tomorrow, or technically by midnight tonight, because it was three in the morning. So by midnight tonight, I have to talk to a girl. I have to hit on her and ask for her phone number. Otherwise I have to kill myself. And he said like, yep, okay, I'm holding you accountable to that. And as soon as I said that and he, and he replied, I was like, oh shit, I have to do it now. And I was like, yep, okay, I have to do it. There's no choice. Otherwise I have to kill myself and I don't want to die. So I have to do this. I, I didn't give myself a choice. I didn't give myself an option to pussy out on. And I ended up still kind of tripping and thinking about all this shit. And then it was like eight in the morning. And so I hadn't slept, remember, like I hadn't slept at all at this point. I'd stayed up all night while tripping. I was so fucking mentally exhausted because LSD just makes you mentally exhausted because it's like your brain is on fucking nitrous oxide or some shit, that NOS shit that they put in cars, like in the Fast and the Furious shit. It's like my, my your brain is turbo bu- boosted. Or for all you nerds out there, myself included, it's like you fucking overclocked your brain like a CPU and you've just dialed up the voltage like five times as much. So your brain feels fried. Like it feels mentally exhausted. Like you've done a workout on your brain. And so I was wrecked. I was tired. I hadn't slept. It was 8am and I was like, 
the sun had come up. I was looking outside. It was a beautiful day. I was like, I should, I shouldn't go to sleep and then do it. I, I should go out right now and talk to a girl. I walked around. There was this cute Asian girl. I just walked up to her. I had this like inner peace because I knew that I had to do it. I knew that I was going to do it. I shook her hand. I ended up holding her hand the entire time we were talking. I said, like, you're really cute. Can I get your phone number? She said, I have a boyfriend, but she was super giggly and she really liked talking to me. And then she left and I was like, oh my God, I've done it. Like I'm someone that can talk to girls. And then from then it was hard to keep talking to girls. Like I really did have to push myself. I had another couple of ruts where I didn't talk to girls for a few weeks. And during those points, I had to cheat and just give myself like, I talk about the slight edge all the time. I'll leave a link in the show notes below to the slight edge, an article I wrote about. But the basic concept is you want to give yourself the smallest baby steps possible so you can achieve those and then build off that rather than giving yourself these big goals, which are bloody hard to do. You got to start really small. And so during these ruts where I couldn't talk to girls, I would literally just say to myself, all I have to do is go outside for a walk. I just have to walk around and I have to talk to any girls. I just have to be outside. And I did that for like two weeks. And then I accidentally hit on a couple of girls because I was already out anyway. And I saw a cute girl and I was like, maybe I should talk to her. So that saved me as well. This concept of the slight edge of just pushing myself to go outside. And then I started talking to girls. I slowly built momentum. I talked to more and more girls. I got laid nine times. Cold approach or talking to girls during the day isn't something I do that much of anymore because Tinder is just blown up. It's so fucking easy for me on Tinder. It's almost like there's no point in me talking to girls outside because that's effort. Tinder doesn't take effort. But yeah, that was probably, those were my biggest challenges. Um, logistics wasn't, uh, so your next question, his next question is, or part of that question is, did you struggle with logistics or procedures for dates? Not really. Um, I don't know why, I guess I, I kind of had this concept that once a girl is on a date with me, I was just happy that she was even on a date with me and I didn't necessarily even care if we had sex. I wanted to have sex because that was the ultimate goal, but I wasn't necessarily trying to have sex. So it was like, I'm already on this day. I've already made it. I've already won. Anything after this is a bonus. So there was no nervousness. Okay. Okay. That's not true. I was nervous as hell, but there was no pressure. There was no like anxiety around performing and certainly not in the bedroom or any of that shit. Like I just, cause I had such low expectations of what I would be able to achieve. So yeah, that, that wasn't hard at all. And funnily enough, a couple of people yelled at me, like, you know, after six months of, of doing this, I would go on dates, like I would go on like four or five dates with a girl before I would even try and make a move. Like maybe I would have held her hand on the third date. Maybe I would have kissed her on the third or the fourth date. But like, I really wasn't pushing for sex. I wasn't like even making it clear to the girls that I was sexually interested in them. And a bunch of guys were like, why the fuck are you waiting till date five? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Because a lot of girls would stop seeing me and I can now see in hindsight, it's because I wasn't making a move. They probably thought I wasn't interested in them. We were having like friendship dates, basically. It wasn't being romantic. I wasn't being sexual. I wasn't taking them back to my apartment. I wasn't inviting them back. These poor girls were probably heartbroken. They went on four dates with some guy that they wanted dick from and then you know, I thought this guy was masculine. He came up to me and hit on me and then he didn't make a move. Like, what the fuck is he not? Am I ugly? Which is why I always push everybody to be making it clear to girls that you want to have sex with them. Invite them back to your place on the first day. If they say no, cool, just try again on the second date, then the third date. But you need to be making it clear. Like, I want you back in my apartment. 
Like I'm interested in you. I find you sexy. Otherwise, these poor girls just think you think they're ugly. So yeah, I hope that answers that question. But I'll add another thing that you didn't cover. Um, Again, probably the hardest aspect of this whole process was feeling like a fraud, feeling like I shouldn't be there, feeling like I, I didn't belong feeling like I was going to get kicked out at any moment, even though, every, to be clear, everyone was very fucking nice. Nobody gave me any hints that they didn't want me to be there. In fact, they gave me the opposite. They constantly said, like, holy shit, Andy, you're going to, like, be an elite member here. You know, you're going to go on to do great things. But that just made me feel even shitter about myself because I was like, fuck, I shouldn't be here. Like, these guys don't know I'm a loser. So that was the hardest aspect of this whole process, feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like an outsider, feeling like, Everybody else on the forums was cool and they all had like an in-group. They were all friends with each other and they were all like the cool guys. And I was this weird, creepy guy sitting on the, like in the corner watching them and they would talk to me and shit. And I would just be like, uh, you guys shouldn't be talking to me. You guys should be hanging out with each other and just leave me over here by myself. It's almost like a depression or like, it wasn't self-pity. It, it didn't quite get to the level of self-pity. I never felt sorry for myself. It was more, I was 100% sure that I didn't belong. Like it was set in stone. It was predetermined. It was like a rational thought in my head. I was like, no, of course I don't belong. Like those guys are cool. They're, they're bigger than me. They're stronger than me. They have more friends than me. They're, they're more social than me. Like it seemed logical. It wasn't even a pity thing of like, oh, you know, poor me. It was like, no, of course they're cooler than me. And to be clear, like they were cooler than me, of course. But that my mistake, my fallacy was in thinking, Oh, just because they're cooler than me, that because they're cooler than me, that must mean that I'm not cool at all. It, I made it a binary thing instead of it being a sliding scale or a spectrum. It's like, yes, they are at the top. They are cool. They are muscular. They are good looking and social, but I'm halfway down that spectrum or halfway along that spectrum. I'm still kind of cool. I'm still kind of good looking. I'm still kind of muscular, though at the time I wasn't. But you get my point. My mistake was in thinking, oh, because I'm not as good as them, I'm a complete and utter zero. It's like, no, maybe they're nines and you're a six. That doesn't mean you don't get to hang out with them. That doesn't mean you can't become a nine. That doesn't mean you don't belong. You're not a fucking zero just because you're not a nine. And I think that's something that a lot of guys feel. I know there's a lot of guys on my forums that feel like they don't belong. They feel like everyone else is cooler than them, better than them. That may be the case. I'm not even going to try and tell you that that's not true. Everybody else on the forums might be cooler than you, but that doesn't make you a fucking zero. That just makes you a five. And if we want to get autistic about it, a five isn't that bad. That's like dead on average. You can just improve yourself, make yourself a six, then go for a seven, then try and be an eight. Maybe then you get to be a nine. Cool. Congratulations. You've done it. Those people that are way ahead of you or better looking than you or started off better than you, they're not... It's not a zero-sum game. Them being a nine doesn't stop you from belonging. It doesn't stop you from improving yourself. It doesn't matter how many guys there are ahead of you, you can still improve yourself. And let's end this on that note. I'm going to cut this up into many parts because I think that this will end up being like several hours long if I answer this properly. I don't want to skim over any of these questions. I want to really get deep in some of them. So we'll cut it off here and I'll reiterate that final point. Please, please, please 
Don't compare yourself to the other guys. Compare yourself in so much as look how further ahead they are than me. I want to catch up. That's great. That's amazing motivation. Compare yourself to them and say, well, they dress better than me. Can I learn from them? That's great. But please don't use other people, especially those ahead of you, as an excuse to not try yourself or to not push yourself or to feel like a failure or to feel like a zero. This isn't binary. Just because they're ahead of you doesn't make you a zero. You can be a fucking five while there are nine and you can all play nice together and belong together and be in the same community. You deserve to be there just as much as everyone else. And I think I know everyone who is ahead of you would be sad to hear you say, oh, I don't belong because I'm not as cool as you guys. Every single person who's ahead of you would say, mate, if you're in this community, if you're trying to improve yourself, if you want to be a better man, you fucking deserve to be here. That is the only barrier to entry. That is the only prerequisite for being on my forums. It is the only prerequisite for being in any self-improvement community. As long as you want to improve, you deserve to be there as much, if not more than everyone else who's ahead of you. You need to give yourself permission to stick around. And if I could go back five years and give myself one bit of advice, it would be everything I just said there. Just because you're not as cool as these other guys doesn't mean that you're an outsider. You deserve to be there. You have already gone above and beyond the bare minimum, which is I want to be better. You have already taken action. If you're on my website, you've already taken action. I made it so that you had to take action to even get onto my fucking forums. You have to upload a picture of yourself and you have to sign that contract saying, I will take myself seriously. I made it so that only people who take action can come onto my forums. I did that very fucking intentionally. I thought a long time about that before I decided to do that. I asked for other people's feedback before I decided to do that. It was a very well thought out and rational decision. And I'm fucking glad I did it because if you're even on my forums, you deserve to be there. No matter where you are, no matter how far you have to go, I don't care if you're obese and you have 150 fucking kilos to lose and you've never talked to a woman and you're a virgin. The fact that you're on my website or even listening to my podcast, the fact that you want to improve yourself means you fucking deserve to be there. You are better than 99.99% of other people on this planet because most people don't want to improve themselves. They don't give a shit about fixing their life or being a better person, or adding to the world, or bringing other people up, or bringing themselves up. They don't care about any of that shit. So by virtue of you even being interested in self-improvement means you deserve to be there. Please give yourself permission to be there. Please don't feel like an imposter. If you do feel like an imposter, write a fucking message, make a post on my forums and say, I feel like an imposter guys. And everyone will fucking gather around you and say, no, dude, you should be here. Please stay here.